Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Superside. So Superside.com, if you need something designed quickly, go to Superside.com, give them a try. Humble and smart man can admit when he's changed and is wrong. So I am humble and smart. (laughs) What up, Sam? How are you doing? Hi. You got a sweatshirt on that says it's only money. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that um, when I look at my portfolio and look at my losses, it's only money. <laughs> it's only money. <laughs> uh, you know, I met this guy once and he was like, he, I don't know, doesn't matter. Uh, I met a guy and we were talking and I'm easily excitable. So yeah. if you start talking to me and you start talking a little bit of sense, I get really excited and I will triple down and make some kind of commitment that I don't want to make. But I did that with this guy where he we were both talking about money and we were like, you know what? Fuck money, right? Like we need to fuck money. Um, and we agreed to do a money burn in San Francisco. We were like, okay, $1,000, you bring $1,000 and we're just going to burn it. And God, that's um, so stupid. And it, of course, exactly. And Does money was, burn? Yeah, it's paper, right? It's not paper. It's cotton. What? Yeah. So there's a. it's like a riddle. What weighs more? Uh, all the money printed in a year or all the trains that have ever passed through uh, Grand Central Station? And the answer is they weigh the same, which is they're both weightless because trains don't pass through Grand Central Station and money isn't made from paper. Ah, okay, good. I love riddles. Um, Thank you for that. It's made out of cotton. So in fact, it it does grow on trees. But I'm pretty sure money burns. I think I've seen this in movies, unless they're using fake fake paper there. but anyways, we didn't end up doing it because I pushed out because I was like, do I really want to burn $1,000? I don't think I do. And yeah, also I was like, stupid. this is going to get so much blowback and no one's going to care about the intentions behind it. It's just going to come across as a douchey thing to do. So I didn't do it. So I'm sorry to my friend. I backed out of it. But I do like the idea of sort of letting go of the attachment to money. But um, anyhow, yeah, it's only like, money. It's only money. And I paid $50 for this hoodie. $80 or something. <laughs> I bought right, it because uh, Dave Portnoy. Have you seen what he's done? Uh, what do you mean? Which part of the founder of uh, Bleed, the f- uh, uh, Barstool? Founder of Barstool is trading. He put three or four million dollars into a, an account and has been day trading and filming the whole thing. I think he's down six hundred k right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. It's so good. It's really exciting uh, to watch. And he wore one of these, so I bought it. Nice. Uh, Are you? His, pl- his plan is going according to plan. I think. I love it. Uh, it, it is. He's losing a lot of money. Um, you want to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I think I have two or three interesting things. Um, have you read what I wrote? I've, I'm looking at it right now. So are we talking... Okay, we talk about three things on this podcast, right? Ideas, so like kind of you know, interesting ideas based off of trends, observations, etc. We talk about people that are doing interesting things or living interesting lives. And then the last one is that we... Talk about you know just cool stuff we saw or stuff we're trying ourselves. And so, which one? Uh, this first one. Which one is this? One. I have. I have number one, and I have number two. Okay. So, the the there's two of them. The first is, let's do, 
the Japanese one. Okay, so one of my favorite things to do, and it's kind of a nerdy thing, is I love looking at, and I've told you this, I love looking at what other countries do and figuring out why it's interesting and why we don't have it in America or the other way around. Okay. Um, and the the Japanese and Chinese cultures, which I know close to nothing about, um, I don't entirely understand if they have anything in common. Like, I don't know if, like, the similarities between <laughs> Japan and China is the same as America to China. Like, so I don't know. <laughs> but what I've noticed that both the Chinese and the Japanese are wonderful at monetizing news apps. And one of, there's a few reasons. The first reason is in Japan, I don't know if this is true in China, but in Japan, it's still quite common to buy newspapers and to subscribe to news. That's still common. Um, in China, <clears throat> I don't know why it's so much popular, but for example, in China, the uh, people who have podcasts like this, they monetize significantly better with subscriptions. So like there's like, for example, Serial was one of the most popular podcasts whenever it came out. It had, I think, 56 million listens or something crazy like that. And it only made like a million dollars in ad revenue. It was shit. Right. Whereas um, multiple... Uh, creators in China will make five, ten million dollars a year, and with a significantly smaller audience. So anyway, I'm, I got really interested in these businesses, and the f the one that I think is most interesting is called Usabase. Have I ever told you about Usabase? Nope. Okay, so the only way you will likely know about them is because they bought Quartz in 2018 for about a hundred million dollars. So the interesting thing about Usabase is they're public in China. So I could, I went and found a lot of the reports, which I love doing. And I looked at their decks, and I also learned all about them. So Japan, long story short, right? Not China. Sorry, Japan. Usabase yeah. is Japanese. Um, long story short, Usabase is, before the corona thing happened, uh, they were publicly traded at $826 million uh, market cap. Um, and they only raised $5 million to start. And they're about 10 years old. So they raised a, a significantly a very small amount of money for how big they got. And the way that they make, they make money is they own a handful of products, but three of them make the most money. Um, the first is Quartz. That actually doesn't make a significant amount of money, and that was a stupid company to buy. I don't think they ever should have done it. The second thing is Speeda, which from my understanding, it's all in Japanese when I go to the website, but from my understanding, it's kind of like Crunchbase. Um, and then the next one is NewsPix. Now, here's where I'm being long-winded, but... Have you heard of news yeah. picks? Tell me, tell me why I care about this. T tell me about these apps. I will. Have you heard of news picks? I have not heard of it. Okay. They only have 150,000 subscribers, but they do something like $50 million in revenue. And here's where the opportunities are. Is, you know Pocket? You know Flipboard? Yep. They have something like $50 million or 50 million users. They don't make shit. They lose money. They don't make shit. And so what I want to ask to you is why, how do you think you would monetize Flipboard and Pocket and these things better? Because we like now's the golden opportunity for news stuff. And I guess I'm just excited because I'm a news junkie. But these companies are significantly better. They make something like $100 per user in revenue versus Pocket, which is probably like 50 cents. Right. You know, the, I think one way to think about this is who who is successfully replicating that model here, right? So you have The Athletic, which has built a pretty large um, revenue business off of subscriptions. And then I think one of the legacy, I don't know, New York Times or whoever is doing really well, right? Isn't, isn't that the case? The New York Times or Wall Street Journal, one of them is like no, doing well? No, these aren't the same. These aren't the same because Userbase isn't a publisher. It's an aggregator. Sure. Which is so, a wonderful Which is more like, more like Flipboard. 
Yeah, which is wonderful because you don't need a significant amount of people and the market size is like everyone in the country. Yeah. So I'm not sure why people would uh, why people would pay for that. Um, I don't know what the cultural difference is. I've heard the same things about podcasting as you have, which is that the podcasting industry in China is like worth multiple billions, uh, whereas, you know, in the U.S. it's, uh, you know, hundreds of millions type of thing. And um, so I'm not sure what the cultural differences are. In fact, some of these things are pretty nuanced. So, for example, live streaming, the same thing happened where in China, live streaming is like so crazy huge. So I'm at Twitch now. Twitch is a big network, but we're just in gaming and, you know, average American doesn't use Twitch. But in China, the live streaming apps are on par in popularity with like a Twitter, an Instagram, a Facebook. It's like part of the mainstream culture. And people wondered why. My theory on why for live streaming, at least, was that in China, um, a lot of there's sort of a, a sort of suppressed, um, I don't know, sexuality or something like that, where porn porn sites are often blocked or firewalled out. And um, there's just a crazy ratio of men to women where there's way more men than there are women because of the sort of one child policy, I believe, uh, that was in, in effect for many years. And so people valued boys and so they uh, had more boys. And so I think what, what the reason live streaming is super popular in China and not in the same way in the U.S. is because of those cultural factors. So people will watch live streams because it's sort of like this weird flirting softcore porn thing where you're watching a cute girl from a distance and you're able to chat with her and off, you know, send her tips and give uh, virtual gifts. And so a lot of people in the U S just look to China and they're like, how do we just, Oh, it's happening in China. It's going to happen here. But they missed that the underlying reason it worked in China and why there was demand for it in China, where there's less demand for it here. So that's what happened in live streaming. I wonder if the same thing is happening in podcasting where, why is it so much more popular there than it is here? Uh, and then the same thing maybe in, in the news apps, what is it culturally? And I don't know. What is it culturally that makes people either value this more or pay for this more? Um, like, for example, in India, we've talked about Indian education apps and how uh, valuable they are. So an app like Biju or you know, there's a bunch of different Indian apps that uh, are, are very big subscription businesses for education, you know, multi-billion dollar companies. And you don't really have the equivalent here in the U.S. I, I know you don't. And, and I think they're they're all the creators out there, I think they can do this. And can I explain to you how I would do this? Okay. And, and this is interesting because it's, it, this involves news, but involves all types of paid information. I think paid information is, can be, should be significantly larger than it, than it is. And I think it's going to get more popular actually. I think that, uh, anyone who's doing paid stuff that is normally free, um, it's going to be much larger. And so here's why I think here, here's how I would do it. If I was starting from scratch, which I kind of am, I am in this business is the first thing is you'd be surprised that shit that's free or is mostly free. If you package it slightly differently, um, people will pay for it and they will like it more. And so what I've seen with our NPS for trends versus the hustle, which is free, the trends NPS is significantly higher. It's like fucking 90, which is crazy high. And it, I, I believe that the content is great, but also people enjoy it more because they pay for it. So I think people, builders out there, need to think to themselves, man, there's this weird mind fuck that I can just literally charge for something that normally is free and people will like it more. The second thing is I think people need to charge up front, no freemium. I think if you charge up front and don't do any freemium, you're going to get significantly better results. The third thing is I, I, things that uh, a lot of times companies like doing this low density with a lot of white space on their um, pages. pages. Yeah. Nope. Fill it with information. <laughs> get rid of that beauty, beautiful stuff. That's not right. Have you been to drudgereport.com? No. You don't know what drudge is? 
I've heard of it, but I've never gone. What, okay, so it? it's is like it political. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's his name, Matt Drudge. Drudge I, I could be saying it wrong. Drudge. It's a hard word to say. Um, it's just like one guy, and he's this like pretty right winged guy. And I went to the website just now, and I was like, oh, I must have typed it in wrong because the website looks like, you know, oh, it's Craigslist oh, garbage. Dude, that website gets a billion uh, views a month. That's crazy. Is this cons- conspiracies? Is that what this is? Uh, I would say it, it depends who you ask. I don't think it's conspiracy, but it is for, it's for sure biased and right-winged, just like, like um, – the founder of HuffPo. This literally he, gets a billion. Are you joking? Or this literally? I gets swear a to God, like literally <laughs> one billion. It could have declined recently, dude. Fucking, do you know Drudge was the one who broke the story about the Clinton, um, uh, when he slept with Monica Lewinsky? Like he called it. Oh wow. So anyway, he, it's really just an aggregator of other links, and every once in a while he'll do something original. And does um, he retitle the the headlines? Or yeah, he dude, it's it? just it's literally just a page that you click off. And every once in a while he does stuff. Yes, that page was designed in 1996, and it's never changed. Dude, it doesn't if, even if work. If you haven't gone to this, go to it right now, drudgereport.com. This is so weird. This doesn't even, like, literally, there's, like... Or or if you go to drudge.com, I think, too. There's, like, this. 20 links that are... It's a black and white page, 20 black links, and then there's just a giant picture of an astronaut, because uh, it's, like, related to one story, with a huge headline, and then there's, again, 1,000 links below that. According... Yeah, it, I... A report was done in like ninety uh, in like two. Okay, so according to Similar Web, it gets close to a hundred million unique visitors. So ten page views a month. Yeah, a, probably a billion. It's very influential this site, uh, and it's interesting. And I think that if you just like paywalled this, he would crush it. So and who's this guy, Matt, Matt Drudge? What's his story? He's a former journalist. He um, he's just a guy. I don't know. He's just a he's just a guy who created a cult following, and people love it. And when Ken Lear started HuffPo, he said, I'm going to make the left-wing version of, of Drudge Report. And so if you go to this, this website, it does a really good job of big, bold headlines. That's like a, a yellow journalism that was invented by Hearst in the um, What does that mean, 20... yellow journalism? Uh, basically, this has been around forever. People think clickbait is new. It ain't. Um, Hearst was a pioneer of this. So uh, he would have these huge headlines um, and it would, it would always, it was always, it was mostly about like blood and scandal and, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads type of right. thing. And then Rupert Murdoch also did it with his newspapers and that's how they got popular. So if you go to HuffPo.com, it's, it's very similar to this. It's a huge headline right in your face. And that kind of, what that does is in your brain is it triggers a little bit of addictiveness. Business insiders just like this too. If you go to business insiders, big ass headlines. So they put their stats on the site. It says visits to Drudge today. 34 million in the past 24 hours, 1.1 billion in the past month, 10 billion in the past year. Dude, I'm telling you, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. This is like what this, is happening. This website is like the Craigslist of 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 news. Like it's a tiny ass staff. It, it literally could be five people, and it could make 50 million dollars a year. And he monetizes anything. He has any ads, or what does he do? Um, so he monetizes it with a couple ads. And I knew guys who were the ad sellers. Like he uses a third party, so it probably has Google Google AdSense and things like that in there. But he also uses um, like some uh, like a third party direct seller, like a company that sells ads on it. And they said that it was like the best, the best, uh, like the biggest site ever. 
for yeah. ads. Dude, I'm I'm on their site right now. I'm asking to advertise because I want to get their info. Great hack for anybody who wants to know how many how much traffic does something have, how many users does it have, how many listeners does this podcast have. Go to advertise. You inquire, they'll tell you the info, and you'll get a sense of it. So I'm gonna or I'm you hit reply to their marketing emails, and there's typically a marketing manager on the other end who will tell you the answer. Right. Um, uh, so anyway, is this not like fucking fascinating? And it is. So I, and uh, I, maybe I'm just an idiot, and everybody out there's like, dude, of course I know Drudge. I'm one of the 10 billion visitors. But no, never, young, I, young people don't know this. I've hey, literally I've heard the name. I never even looked at it. Alan and Abreu, have you heard of this? Yeah, give us a F in the chat. If you know it, if you don't know it, give us something else. Oh, okay, he knows. He knows know about it, it now because we're talking about it. All right, one said yes, one said no. Um, <laughs> he says, y'all sheltered. Uh, nice, okay, good. Good comedy from the Super time. interesting shit, man. And um, So why doesn't the hustle have more visitors, dude? Look at this guy. This guy's, you know, killing it. Well, a few reasons. One, it's it was definitely easier to, to build a cult following in yeah. 1998 when he launched... Sorry, he launched in, uh, I don't know when he launched. It could have been 98. I mean, it's like, why why doesn't Letgo beat Craigslist? It's like, well, because Craigslist has been around since 96, right. and they just gained market share real fast. Dude, there's but a any- part of me that wants to just, like, create some alter ego that just does some Sean Hannity, Milo Yiannopoulos-style character that just says outlandish shit. I just want to see, could I do it? Could I, could I you know, um, the answer market is my yes, way? By the way. market my the, way to the top? Through the my- answer is yes. I one of our friends did this, and he got a lot of traffic, and then he uh, canceled it, and like uh, he like ended the site because he's like, I just can't do this. This is right. sucking my soul, <laughs> but it worked really well. Got it. Okay. Typically, cool. and by the way, typically conservative websites get way more page views and traffic than non-conservative. Sites. Yeah, this is now a conservative podcast. Just so you know, we don't talk about politics, but if that helps the downloads go up, we're conservative, and we appreciate your support. So my point in all this was I think news apps actually, if you charge money and you offer a similar offering as freed one, free ones, you can do a, you can actually make way more money than uh, not. And to your thing earlier, um, so this also happens in China, like you said. So I think, I don't know how you say the name exactly, but it's like Tutiao or something like that. It's the, so ByteDance, which owns TikTok. Yep, that's um, another example of, that's just like Usabase in Japan. Yeah, they own it's t-o-u-t-i-a-l i don't know how you say it but um and it's the same thing it's this giant news app with like 20 million dau or whatever i don't know it's like some like uh like it's just like very big for a news app right like there's not the u.s doesn't have i don't feel like news apps that are doing those types of numbers um and I, actually i'm gonna look up there i think it and i numbers. think it went public for like 20 billion dollars um so okay i was way under dau 700 million MAU, 1.5 billion. I knew I was under because I said 20 million DAU, and that's not that much. 700 million DAU, which is just insane. Um, so, yeah. And they it's bought public. TikTok for, for kicks and giggles. What? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that they spun that news app. Um, they spun that news app off. So, opportunity here is I think that news apps in America are way, way, way under monetized. And... Right now, we are the demand in news is crazy high. With Trump being elected, every uh, everyone experienced what was called the Trump bump, which uh, right. Which every, and what like, doesn't Trump have his own news network or what is this thing that he promotes? This uh, oh oh, have you seen this thing? This news network he promotes instead of Fox now? No, what is it? He has this. Um, so so somebody back in the day had said like one of the sort of 
one theory was that the reason he wanted to run was because yeah, he I thought that was a channel. rumor. Yeah, that was a rumor. But he promotes this thing instead of um, Fox News. I have to find it. It's like O something. It starts with an O. It's a four-letter domain for the news, and he like promotes this as like, yeah, this is the good news or whatever. I'd never heard of this network before. It's probably one of those right-wing uh, news networks that's like massive, and I've never heard of it. And no, nobody in my Twitter timeline talks about it, so I just never see it. But there's something so a, like that. a lot of a lot of people have tried this. Um, it really hasn't worked that well. Um, Ashton Kutcher did it with. Um, it's called A Plus, I believe it's called, and A is it A Plus. It's it's something involving his initials. A plus and they, K. A plus K is that what it is? Yeah. And they and they got to like forty or fifty million monthly uniques, but then like Facebook and Twitter said, "All right, we're gonna um, if you post links, we're actually not gonna show you to a lot of users." And so it basically crashed. Lil Wayne tried to do the same thing, and then that this is actually how BJPen.com, which is something you and I probably both read, uh, right. started. Yeah. Okay, so so it, Alan it, just posted in the chat. So uh, it's called One America News Network. Oan. And uh, I've seen Trump posting about this. I had never heard of this before. Had you ever heard of this thing? No, but it looks so, like uh, so they, it's owned they by a larger company. 100 to 250 employees. Yeah, I don't know who owns this thing. But anyways, there's something there to dig into. But okay, news apps. We like it. Um, I, I'm personally more interested in this like drudge thing than the Japanese aggregators uh, because the drudge thing blew my mind. But, but it's, the same, it's, it, it's the same thing. This is my point. It's quite similar. Right. Um, okay, cool. What else you got? You want to talk about neilpatel.com? Okay, let's do it. So Neil Patel's okay. this marketer guy, right? Yeah, he's been around forever. He's only 35. He's been kind of a kind of crushing it since 2002 or uh he was 22. He started Quick Sprout. It's a, it was a really cool blog and one of the ways that Quick Sprout made money is they would Google or they would write about SEO best practices and things like that and then um, send leads to consultant con- consultancies who would then help you with your seo so he eventually sold quick sprout and then he started neilpatel.com and neilpateldigital.com and he kept blogging about the same shit and then he goes you know what fuck it i'm gonna well first of all he tried to launch his own software thing that did something similar called kiss metrics it didn't work out um and then he said fuck it i'm just gonna do my own consultancy i think it's pretty fucking huge and all it is is an <laughs> seo consultancy and i was doing research on it and the way that he made this and, and this is why it's interesting to people is Everyone has ideas for agencies, and they're actually relatively simple businesses to start. You're just offering a service, but they're real shit to run, um, and they're hard to make a profit if you do it incorrectly. And what he did that was interesting is, A, he opened up offices in Utah and San Diego, which are relatively cheapest cheap places to live. And second, he hired a CEO right off the bat, and all he does is he Google, uh blogs in order to get get leads and he it took like a million bucks to start the thing so he definitely had money up front but it's really interesting and the way that he's doing it and his insight was he read slacks s1 so that's the document that they that they um publish when they go public and his whole shtick was he goes man slacks s1 the majority of revenue uh, it came from bigger companies. So the majority of revenue came from like 600 companies that were huge. And also the margins on maintenance and service revenue were significantly larger than the actual software. So you are you familiar familiar with this? You mean the enterprise contracts where they say, okay, yeah, you know, there's a services, a professional services component to it. Yes. And so a lot of people, including myself, because I'm not an enterprise software, don't know this. But... Like at, at Atlassian, which is a large company, half the revenue is from maintenance and service. Yeah, there's that, 
crazy. It's, it's crazy. AWS does this too. You you spend whatever thirty grand a month, and they're like, oh, you need priority support. You need enterprise support just in case. You know, you have a, you have a good business, so you, you don't want to ruin this. And so you're paying five k a month, six k a month, and just uh, just to have the ability to ask questions if you need to ask questions. It's mind boggling. And so what Neil appears he has done is he goes. Yeah, like we're not actually going to sell the software because maybe one day we'll build something. We're actually only going to like, but we're going to like kind of run it a little bit like a software company, but we're going to make all of our money from that those service that service fee. And so they do a little bit of work, but in, in reality, they actually have software on the back end. But they're doing auto- SEO work. So he's not selling leads. He's actually doing the SEO work. Yes. But the interest, but why this is interesting to me is... Um, if you look at like, I, I just, maybe this is not interesting to people who know what they're talking about, but I didn't. And I was like, wait, most of the margin is in the maintenance revenue. And so that's like where they're making all of their cash. Uh, this could, uh, it's a consultancy and that's super interesting. And it got me wondering like, man, if you just sell like relatively cheap software and a lot of the software is not hard to get and you just add on a layer of service and maintenance, it's like, holy fuck, that's the way you do it. All right. This episode is brought to you by super side. So here's the deal. Um, I'm incredibly impatient, like horribly impatient. I get an, adi- an idea at midnight and on 8 a.m. the next day, I want it done. And unfortunately, hiring people to get that stuff done is really time consuming. It takes forever. So superside.com, here's what it does. You go to superside.com. They already have a team of designers ready to go. You tell them what you want and they get it done. It's 20 times faster than traditional hiring and 50% more affordable than the agencies. If you need something designed and need it done well and fast, try them out. Superside.com. I've used them before. Love them. Yeah, that's one way. I first heard this because there's this guy on Twitter. I think I've shouted him out before. Um, I grabbed dinner with this guy once, but his name's uh, Chathan. Chathan P is his uh, his Twitter. So C H E T A N P, I think something like that. And he's a he's an investor at Benchmark, which is probably you know one of the top five venture funds in in the country. And um, he does enterprise. He's specialized in enterprise. He just made the Midas list, which is like the you know VC. Uh, like whatever 30 for 30 or 30 under 30 list basically and um so anyways he tweets out these little summaries about enterprise companies where it's like seven bullet points and you understand how this company makes their money and how fast they're growing and like oh what he, yeah what he like highlights only 30 uh no, no no i'm saying the midas list is like a bullshit list like the forbes oh, 30 under 30 oh oh um but anyways, he he often posts these like, hey, counterintuitive. People think it's all about software. Look how much more. Look how much of their contribution comes from services. Hey, you know, everybody thinks you should be adopted bottoms up. Look at this company. They do the complete opposite. So he's very good at pointing out the like many ways to win, and uh, that goes against sort of the conventional Silicon Valley wisdom, which is like Silicon Valley wisdom is like, oh, technology gets adopted bottoms up. Now you don't have to sell. Um, you know, you, you sell in later. No, that's and, bullshit. Look at Oracle. You know, it should be a software play. You don't want to have, you know, this heavy OPEX component. And it's like, you know, and so he just walks through a bunch of different examples of companies that are doing it very differently, like Pivotal and other companies like that. By the way, I bet most are doing it that way. Even if you look at Slack, they've got a fucking sales team. Yeah, of course, they have a sales team. But like, you know, they're they're the example where it's like they grew like crazy from this bottoms up thing. And then they hired a sales team. But like many companies do the exact opposite and succeed i don't think that that's true i bet if you learn about slack i bet you most of the revenue came from sales team people uh i don't think so early on i I mean they didn't have any sales people early on so it couldn't couldn't have been that way right but i think the revenue then pales in comparison to where they are now so yeah whatever who cares um okay so this neil patel guy you think he's interesting because what because okay so you you thought the interesting part was that uh surprise surprise 
these software companies actually have a significant amount of, of money that's coming from this um, client services. Uh, that's interesting. The, uh, is there anything else about this Neil Patel guy that you think is interesting or that could be sort of replicated in some way? No. Okay, cool. Well, you know, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to the Indian. Indian uh, yeah, party. there is one thing, which is um, his business, the way that he came to discover this business is really interesting. Whenever people ask me what company they should start if they don't, like they're like, I'm not sure what to start. I always say start a blog. And the reason why is his insight He's probably, I bet you he's made $100 million, this Neil Patel guy, in profit over the last 10 years. I bet, I bet he's rolling in it. I'll take the under, but okay. Um, dude, I, I'm almost positive. Like, this Neil, is a huge clear thing. the air. Neil, you hear this, clear the air. So Neil's, uh, I think he's cousins with this guy, Heaton Shaw. I think that's why they started yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Heaton, Kiss Metrics yeah. together. Um, yeah, they're cousins. Um, I bet you that he's probably done... Anyway, I bet it's quite large. And anyway, the way that he did this was he created Quicksprout, and then he looked at what sold well and um, just launched it. And there's two companies that have done this really well. The first is WP Beginner. I mean, there's probably a ton. The first one that I can name is WP Beginner. It's yep. WPBeginner.com. It just blogs about interesting WordPress stuff. Uh, his name's Syed. I bet you Syed. Um, I bet. And so what he did was he looked at which WordPress plugins did best. And then he just launched his own and then put his right. links in there. And I bet I bet you he's got a little empire that does $40 million in recurring revenue. Um, I've talked to like people who claim they know, and it's around, it's like in that ballpark. And then the second one who's, who did the same strategy, which I am emulating, is SoftBank. You know SoftBank started this way? Yep, uh, that's right. The, the they sort of news, or sorry, information, then conferences, then... Yeah, so they just started a magazine, and they looked at which ads did best, and then they started or invested in those companies. I like it. Um, okay, cool. So, I got, interesting I got, to me. I got a couple topics for you. Um, tell me if these are interesting. So um, <laughs> there's this thing called, your mouse is hovering on this. I'm going to talk about it. It's called I clicked it. Book a YC Team. Uh, so what this is, is there's two guys who were in the YC batch and they weren't able to raise money. Their startup didn't work out. And so they created this website called Book a YC Team. It's like, hey, you want to hire like a product and engineer from YC? Like two founders. We're badass. We got into YC. That's like Harvard. Um, you can just hire us and we'll just be like a little two-man demolition crew for you for some price for some period of time. And so it's Love like it. the extreme it's just an agency. High, it's the extreme high end of like the Gigster, Upwork, Fiverr, like right? Like that's the low end of like hire a remote, de like just hire a developer to build your thing. And this is the extreme like top end. It's like, uh, and so I actually think there's a better product idea than their their product was in, in YC. If they can get more failed YC startups, to do this as an interim thing of like, hey, yeah, I do this while I'm in between figuring out what my next startup is. I think that's a very smart idea. So uh, I thought that was cool. Any thoughts on that? Uh, amazing. I want to, well, our team joiners, I want to sign up for this. My my concern is that if they're from Y, I'm just going to be a hater. If they're <laughs> from YC, it means that they're soft and care about the wrong stuff and don't move fast and they're just weak. Um but great idea. I like it. <laughs> okay, I don't agree with that at all. But all right. Um, neither of us would really know. That's just like funny. Um, okay. Another... Dude, I just, my point is just like Silicon, a lot of Silicon Valley people who make shit, they just launch slow. They do all this well, user testing versus just like fucking do it. So my favorite thing is actually, um, is it YC is funny that way? The people who go into YC, they're often extremely scrappy, you know, whatever, hardworking. They're just one or two people who are building a whole thing on their own and ambitious. Then they get into YC and then they drink the YC Kool-Aid and it's like, oh, now, by the way, 
Um, oh, you were helping me before? Fuck you. I'm NYC. I don't need you anymore. Uh, oh, you want to ra- you want to invest in my company? It's a fifteen million dollar valuation. Right. It's That's like, what, what I mean. do you have? It's like, well, we haven't launched yet, or like we have like two customers, and um, you know, it's a, like the minimum buy-in is ten million dollar valuation, and easily we can get to fifteen or twenty. It's crazy. And so then they get really like uh, you know high and mighty, and then my favorite thing to do, and and also all the investors are talking to them around that same time, and it's definitely decreased because of this problem, but like still, there's a lot of demand. The absolute best strategy I have is, I shouldn't even say this. I shouldn't even give this away because it's such a good, it's such a good system. Give it three months after YC. So I don't care about demo day. I wait three months after YC and then I go talk to all those founders. At this point, nobody else is talking to them. They've either already raised their round or they failed to raise their round and they're like humble. But they're, they, they're, and now reality has hit where they're like trying to actually grow their business and the YC hype is off and like, the YC short-term gains that they were getting where they were like just trying to make a nice chart for demo day, it's over. And so when you meet them in the reality zone that they hit three to four months later, it's such a different conversation. And so you can invest on way better terms. You have way more real data to use because you're not just in the YC hype engine where you have one minute to hear about the business this and decide. Is, this is my point. And so this whole like YC book a team thing, they could it could be cool because those people are generally very smart and a lot of their designs great. But like, if they're like soft and Madonnas, then uh, well, I think what will happen is these are the YC teams that have gone through it and failed, and um, you know by then they are are in a very different like I don't think they're soft. I think they are, uh, you know, hardened by the opportunity by 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 the experience, and uh, I would bet that they are some of the best talent you can pick up at that point in time. So if I like this, I think this is cool. If I were these guys, I would not raise any money, and this would I would just make. Just fuck loads of cash off this. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Um, you're just farming the YC uh, talent pipeline. Okay, so just start an agency just for YC companies. Be like, exactly. guys, we'll build your shit for you. Right, exactly. Love this. Um, so, okay, so another cool thing. Uh, okay, so this one's super quick. I just, I don't even know why I wrote this down. So there's this company called Remote, remote.com. Yeah, they just uh, raised a lot of money. Yeah, they just raised 11 million bucks, I think. And, um, they, uh, they're doing something really smart, which is if you've ever tried to expand internationally, one of the biggest pain points is starting your own entity in the region. So like we have this problem at Twitch all the time. It's like, hey, we're interested in this country. It takes like a year to spin up a legal entity in the country. Now you have to maintain that. There's a whole bunch of costs, a whole bunch of red tape. And you need it to be able to do like some countries you need it to operate. Some countries you need it to be able to do ad sales, for example, in that region. So there's all these reasons why you need a local entity, but having a local entity is really hard and so uh, to employ people and whatnot. So what Remote's doing is they're doing the hard work of opening up legal entities everywhere, and then they are figuring out ways for you to use that entity to hire your remote staff uh, as employees on the ground in that country. Okay, so, let's, re- let's riff on that because I have a few cool insights. The first, well, this is everyone probably has this. You know, it's still hard to hire state over, like, over state line, like state to state, it's hard. And I've got, I've had to pay hundreds of dollars in penalties because I didn't, I wasn't, I have people now who handle this, but when I first started, I handled it. You have to like keep track of like all your licenses for Texas. And like, I had one remote employee in Washington. I had to like register there and shit and I just didn't do it. And I didn't do it the right way. I had to pay hundreds of dollars in fees for penalties. It's quite hard to do that state to state. Um, Have you done that? Have you hired I've hired across states and I'm like most people where you don't even realize there's other shit you need to think about. And right. I didn't know until I got like a little from the, yeah, I just got like, so, and then I'm like, where do I organize all this? So yeah, that's interesting. Another thing that's kind of cool is I wonder if, so there's a a whole bunch of companies 
or industries where you have to have a license to uh, practice. But if you only have one person who works at your company who's licensed, then you're okay. So, for example, if you sell health insurance, if you sell like so, if you sell any types of benefits, you have to be. I believe you have to be a broker. If you want to sell certain types of real estate, you have to have a broker's license. And oftentimes, getting those licenses in every state can be challenging. So, for example, him. Did I actually tell you about this? Hims, when they want to sell their Viagra state to state, they have to have a registered person. You can't like, yeah, you can't like uh, ship medicine across state lines. But that uh, this is a totally different topic. But that law actually has been suspended currently, so doctors can prescribe. Yeah, (laughs) that and so that that's an interesting opportunity. That loophole might be closed, but that just happened a few weeks ago. But uh, I guess what I mean is, if you're saying that they like are a registered agent in a certain state to practice a certain type of business, that's kind of interesting. You could do that for loads of different things. Right. And so I think what these guys are doing is cool. The reason I initially liked it was because the founder's name is Job. And I was like, what? Your name is Job and this is what you do? He's like, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is great. This is like you know, a small little glint in my eyes when the fastest man on earth is named Usain Bolt. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's how the world is. It's amazing. The world is amazing. Are you sure it's not Job? It's spelled J-O-B. So it's Job to me. Um, and I was like, dude, your name is Job and you're about hiring people remotely. Like, this is fantastic. And, dude, it's and- probably Job. <laughs> well, he's from, I think he's Dutch. I think he's from the Netherlands. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Sorry. I talked to him before. I thought about investing in this company and I liked everything. I talked to the guy, liked it, liked the premise. He had a, a, a win under his belt from GitLab before this. He was like super early there, number four or something. And uh, and then I didn't yeah, invest because I got I'm busy. Lo- you should have. You missed out. I'm looking at him now. He kind of looks like the terrorist from Air Force One. Like the, <laughs> like the, <laughs> he looks like the Russian terrorist who wears like track suits. <laughs> <laughs> all right and moving or on. from or no from uh 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 die hard with the vengeance he looks like one of those guys yeah dude he's not soft this guy's hard dude he's hard as a russian terrorist dude google his name and look at his headshot he looks <laughs> he looks like a terrorist in call of duty <laughs> i can't even google i just googled job remote i got a bunch of job boards uh to work his name's remotely. job van der vort yeah that's right uh, all right, let me take it. I've talked to this guy on video chat. Oh, he looks Look good. At, he's a handsome guy. What are you talking about? I'm not. I didn't say he's ugly. I just looked like he'll like he'll fucking kill you. Yeah, he looks Look like he'll fuck you up. Which I think you need to do international business like this. So okay. Yeah, I, no, I, I like, like this I'm company. not criticizing. It's a compliment if you ask me. And he just doesn't. He just looks like he's selling nuclear arms, not like you know, recruiting services. Okay, I got an idea for you. Um, this is a boring idea, so you're probably not going to like it, or maybe you'll like it. I don't know. Um, so right now, uh, one thing I'm learning, this is part of my export, uh, my import list from a big company, which is basically uh, at a big company, one challenge is that you like headcount is like oil. And so you like kind of your oh, every division wants more headcount. Um, the company raises money so that they can or, 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 you know, decides every year how much headcount they have. It's like a magic number. And um, and so, you know, but then the problem is, that, you know, that's like it tells you, hey, you're going to hire. 25 new heads this year. That's your department. That's what you've got. But the problem is some people leave, right? So you have attrition. But the problem is nobody knows how much attrition there's going to be. And so I'm learning right now how big of a problem this is, which is there's like HR people who are trying to model in Excel and trying to go back through this stuff and try to figure out, okay, year over year, what's our percent attrition? How many how many people leave the job? 15% a year. How many are going to leave this quarter? And you need this to do financial planning so you know how much you're going to spend. You also need it to figure out how much to hire. 
because you don't just think about, okay, if we're going to do this amount of work, we need to hire this many more people. You have to take into account that you're going to also lose people and nobody knows how, how much you're going to lose. So I think there's something around attrition for big companies, which is either a, a much better modeling system, an automatic projection system, forecast system for attrition. It takes your historical data. It can take the job, other companies' jobs, uh, other company attrition and tell you, hey, a lot of people are switching jobs right now. Or like for COVID, we predict that a lot of people are not going to switch jobs right now due to the uncertainty of the of the economy and like how isn't isn't that aren't these isn't this a thing isn't this what PeopleSoft did uh maybe i don't know i don't use PeopleSoft, but i know that like we use workday and other things like that and this doesn't come baked in for that or at least we don't that's interesting so like if i wanted to get rich and i liked software i absolutely would do something in that field um, there's an, another version of this, which is just if you can f- help companies figure out who's going to leave. So like one um, thing that happens when I open up my computer sometimes uh, is Amazon has this internal what they call a pulse survey. It's a quick one question that pops up and you just answer it. And it's like very lightweight and it helps them collect data about like, you know, how employees are feeling or whatever. Right. And so I think it'd be interesting if you could find a way to make it where com- employees would feel comfortable saying if they're thinking about searching, if they are job searching, and they, they know it's totally anonymized and protected, but it helps the company figure out, oh shit, you have this many, this percentage of your engineers that are thinking about leaving the company. So map that to potential attrition. Um, so, so I think there's something, there's something to solving this attrition problem for companies. Um, I think there's a business there. I don't know too much about it because big, I just, big, I just Google it. It's new to me. I just Google it. And there's a few headlines. IBM's AI-backed employee retention software can predict within 95% accuracy which workers want to leave their job or are, are going to leave their job. This is cool. This is a great idea. Um, algorithm um, can tell you uh, when they want to hear uh, what's going well with employees, what isn't, and they will tell you uh, within 95% certainty if they're going to leave. Hmm. That's yeah, pretty there's, cool. There's something to this. Um, okay. And then there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is... Um, do you know who this guy Yishong Wong is? Have you heard this name before? Yeah, he was the CEO of Reddit. Yeah, he was CEO of Reddit. Uh, in 2005, he was at Facebook, so he was very early at Facebook. Um, seems like a super smart guy, to be honest. And uh, I've been reading his like blog for a while. I think this guy's smart. But I didn't know what he was doing. And I just heard he's up to like a new company. And so I was like, all right, anytime there's somebody who I think is really, really interesting and they're doing something, I want to know what it is. And it's pretty ambitious, and I wanted to talk about it. So... He's literally trying to solve global warming by planting a bunch of trees. And, um, okay, so what does that mean? You're, you're really going to solve climate change? And so the, he has this blog post called a massive, Refor- a massive Global Reforestation Project is How We Fix Climate Change. And he walks through just sort of his logic one by one. And this reminds me of like... God, I love this shit. I remember, reading, I remember reading Elon Musk's secret master plan that he published back before Tesla was famous. And I remember reading that and being like, wow, this is like really audacious. Who's this Elon Musk guy? Okay, he did this PayPal, Zip2, zip you know, he did this other company. I should pay attention to this because this guy, this sounds pretty audacious. And, uh, you know, I can't disagree with the logic here. And that's how I felt when I was reading this. Now, I think this is out of my depth scientifically. So I don't know if this is legit, but he's a legit guy. And so I respect that he's looking into this. So Is his, this a business? It's a business. So his, How does it make money? Um, I don't know yet, but because he, he hasn't released too many details. In fact, he hasn't like announced that he was really doing this. He just posted one blog post about theoretically, how would you do it? So he just walks through, look, we produce, you know, 45 gigatons of carbon dioxide every year. And the best way to get rid of carbon dioxide is forests. 
to get rid of this amount of we know how much one for how much one acre uh, absorbs so that means we need three billion acres of forest where are we going to get that well turns out we know how to turn deserts into forests and we've been doing this in in china and israel and other places and so he's like all right there's 4.7 billion acres of desert available we need three billion to solve the climate change problem to absorb all the co2 we're emitting and he's like okay so what's the problem there well to turn a desert into a forest you need irrigation to do that you need solar energy to do that you need this and so he's literally walking through and now he bought a little i think he bought a plot of land in hawaii where he's doing a proof of concept for this. Yeah, I'm reading about it. In August 17th, 2019, he launched this, or he uh, announced it. So if you Google Yishan Wong, so Y-I-S-H-A-N Wong, W-O-N-G, trees, and then just the word trees, you'll see two posts on Medium. Dude, this is fascinating as shit. This is awesome. I don't Isn't know how this, this badass. Mo- and like, you I don't, don't know how it makes money, but it's cool. Yeah, if he says the world, fantastic. I don't know if it makes money or not, but... Um, you know, he talks about like, okay, the cost of this solar project, you know, obviously this is a lot. It's like, I don't know, X, it's like a single digit trillion. And he's like, but the global GDP is this much, you know, could we dedicate 3% of the global GDP to solving climate change? I think we're going to need to. And, um, and amazing. So I think it's amazing. And I love that, like, you know, he didn't come out on TechCrunch. You know, you don't read about this on TechCrunch. The reason I found this was because a local Hawaiian newspaper was talking about, hey, this guy's trying to plant a forest over here on this little area. And I was like, that's legit that he's like actually doing the work. So like respect for actually going and doing the work and working on one of the biggest, hardest problems to solve. So that's how why I rich, like this guy. How, how rich do you think this guy is? And do you think he's able to do this because he's rich? Or is he like, what do you think is going on here? I would guess, you know, if you're at Facebook 2005, that's I mean, really, he could be worth a hundred million dollars. Really early, yeah. He could be easily be worth a hundred million dollars. I don't know what his role was there exactly. He worked um, as a senior engineer at PayPal from two thousand and one to two thousand five. Right. He so joined that, Facebook as a single digit millions. He joined Facebook as a senior director of engin- as the director of engineering in two thousand and five. So yes. he, that's it, yeah. at least tens of millions, I think, in the IPO. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you said he has a hundred million dollars in the bank, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I think this is, this is badass and, uh, I don't know, pretty inspiring. It's called terraformation. I think it is inspiring. And my takeaway from this is, um, yeah, the climate change. Awesome. I'm not like crazy passionate about it, but I support it totally. I think it's neat. My big takeaway though, is like the type of balls you have to have in order to have these ambitions and to follow through with it. I find that to be the most inspiring. Exactly. Um, Um, there's also this meme I saw, which was, and you know, great i'm going to describe a meme on a podcast it's hard to say but like it's basically two scientists and they're looking at the coronavirus two two little humps like one that's a you know we've all seen this diagram now of like one uh curve and then the flattened curve and so they're looking at it and it's like the height of their shins and they're like they're looking at that and then behind them is the climate change hump which is like 10 times their height and it's like yeah i hope we get through this and it's like because there's a much bigger problem coming and i think you know i could have never imagined there's a world where Oh, all businesses shut down. Everybody has to stay in their home. Like, I thought that's a nuclear bomb. Like, I thought that's the only way that this is the case is, like, there's a nuclear bomb or, like, I don't know, some crazy terrorist shit. And, you know, coronavirus did this to us in, like, a month. Um, you know, when when we hit the tipping point for climate change, you know, who knows what the world is going to look like and what's going to happen. Um, it's totally. pretty, pretty scary. Uh, do you think that you're going to go work from the office again? No, I, I actually told my company, I was like, I don't think I'll ever go commute to the office again. 
Yeah, our lease in the our our lease in San Francisco is like fourteen k a month, and I think it ends in May. And uh, I don't know. I mean, everyone in their heads like, yeah, it, it's, as like there should be like a service where you can like rent it and like only go some of the time. And I'm like, uh, you mean we work? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a thing, and it's great. I don't know why. Like everyone hated on it a few months ago. So I, I think we're. I, I imagine us doing a we work. Um, Dude, that's interesting because at the beginning of this, you were like, "Dude, I hate remote. I hate this. I I don't believe in this." Yep, and uh, my opinion changes. A, a, a humble and smart man can admit when he's changed and is wrong. I so I am humble and smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta end on that. Uh, that's great. You got anything else you want to shout out? Hmm. No, maybe we will have things to shout out soon. Uh, we're gonna be work. Let's. We're gonna start. Well, I want to work on some projects, like um, some private Q and As. Okay, nice. But uh, all right, let's, cool. We'll shoot, shoot. We'll shoot those out. Shout those out later. All right, sounds good. So yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>